Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My friends, yesterday we started a, a two-part uh, piece on inflation, and we discussed what creates inflation and what it's going to take to stop inflation and a little bit about how you should handle inflation. Today, we're going to drill down more specifically into why real estate is a very effective inflation hedge. Now, I'm going to start with asking you a question. This is one of those, you have to be able to see this in your head questions to be able to get the answer. And then, if you don't see it, I'll go ahead and explain it to you anyway. There's an advertisement on TV right now where Robert Kiyosaki and three other guys, I have no idea who they are, they're supposed to be like maybe hedge fund people or something, I don't know, who are talking about gold and silver. And they're saying gold and silver is a hedge against inflation. Well, everybody's been told gold and silver is a hedge against inflation for your entire life. But I ask you this question. Please listen to this carefully, and maybe you'll learn something that can make you a lot of money in your life. Their argument was... And I quote, if gold or if silver goes back up to what it's been to, then you'll make a 100% return on your money. Now, think about that. If it goes back to what it's been, you make 100%. Now, for that to happen, somebody has to have lost 100% to get down to where it's half of what it used to be. So, what hedge is that? And what is it hedging against other than stupidity? Stupidity believes that a rock has a certain value, and that value won't go up or down with inflation, which is a totally ridiculous concept, because inflation affects all of the things you use gold and silver for, which means gold and silver can go up and down as the supply and demand curve goes. Real estate, on the other hand, I can't think of a time. Let's see. Hmm. When did real estate ever go down to 50 cents on the dollar? It's happened twice in my life. It happened in 87, 88, 89, that kind of period, back when the, the uh, real estate changed value because of the black swan event of Reagan changing tax laws in accordance with real estate. After he made it no longer a tax-advantaged investment, a lot of people didn't have any desire to own it anymore. And so, it sold off. Second time was in 2008, 2009, when the banks all collapsed, and all the mortgages went pooey. They just blew up, and the banks had to repossess and foreclose and basically get killed in the deal. In both of those times, I was buying, because that's the place to be when things are down, is a buyer. But then the rest of the time of my life, I've still been a net buyer. I'm always buying. Why? Because when I was buying houses at $25,000 apiece in 87, they were actually built for $50,000. I was buying them for twenty-five. dollars Within just a few years, they were worth seventy-five dollars to $100,000. In 2008 and nine, I was buying properties that were built for $50,000 a door. I was buying them for eight and ten, twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 a door all over the place. And within no time at all, they were back worth sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a door. Now, those very same properties are selling for over $100,000 a door. So, when you're talking about a hedge against inflation, how can silver be a hedge if it's now 50 cents on the dollar of what it had once been? And the answer is, 
It's not a hedge to inflation. Real estate is a hedge to inflation. In fact, what I'm going to show you today is at least seven different ways real estate is a hedge to inflation. Now, it's going to take me the whole show to get through all of those, so you're not going to want to leave. And if you do have to leave, like if you're in your car and you got to get up and go to work, you're going to want to look this up in a podcast. Go to Lifestyles Unlimited, go to radio, and then go to radio podcast. And you can pull this up. It'll be up by tomorrow, I believe. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but you want to get to this. So, first of all, recap from yesterday. What are the common reasons for inflation? Number one, money policy. The Fed puts too much money out there, money becomes worthless. If your dollar is watered down, it takes $2 to buy what used to take $1, that's inflation. Number two, supply and demand curve problems. We've got expectation problems. Um, Expectation problems are where when people believe things are going to get more expensive, they start buying more of it and they start hoarding. And when they start hoarding and saving up stuff, it becomes very, very expensive. That's when the government has to step in and say, hey, you can only buy so many rolls of toilet paper, believe it or not, crazy as it is. So today, I want to talk to you about why real estate is an inflation hedge and show you how each and every part of inflation is hedged by real estate. Let's start with just something called appreciation. We've always said there's five ways to make money in real estate. The least, most important one that we've always counted on was appreciation. The very fact that the slow drip of long-term inflation, which we call appreciation, means that stuff is going to go up in value. When I first started buying houses, the median price for a house was $50,000. When I stopped buying houses, the median price was $100,000. When I stopped doing seminars, or doing 2008 when the whole market crashed, the median price was $150,000. When we came out of that crisis, houses went up to 200000 And when I stopped doing the seminars myself live and started having other people do them, I handed it over to people with a median price of 300000 The median price today is now $350,000. The bottom line, according to research, homes have gone up 90% in value over the last 10 years. Now, how's that for a hedge against inflation? 90% increase over the last 10 years, right? Expected to go up another 16% this year. Pretty good hedge against inflation, wouldn't you say? But now, let's realize that with that being said and being true, it's much, much better than that. You say, how? Well, what I'm about to show you in the next segment should blow your mind financially. If you don't get it, then you need to re-listen to the show a couple times, and maybe because you're driving, you can't do the math, you, you can't pay close enough attention to the numbers to concentrate. But I'm going to throw some numbers out here, and I want you to listen to them carefully. And again, if you can't, because you're driving, you can't really do the math, you can't concentrate on it, just get the point, believe in the point, go home, pull up the podcast, and do the math, because it's there, and it's going to make a difference. So let's talk about a word called leverage. Leverage is why... This story isn't even close when it comes to gold and silver. It isn't close when it comes to almost anything out there. Real estate is number one. Number one hedge against inflation. Because you are beating the pejeebers out of inflation. Inflation is the rapid increase of the cost of everything else in your life. And if that rapid increase is not met with income that increases as fast as the rapid increase of expenses, then inflation is damaging. Let's say that real estate's going to go up in value by 20%. We said 16.5 is what they're predicting for this year, but I'm going to make 20 just to make it easy. So let's say we own a million-dollar piece of real estate. If it goes up by 20%, this thing is now going to be worth $1,200,000. So let's go, that's pretty good. We made 20% return. Not so quick. 
Actually, we made a 100% return. Say, Dell, that doesn't sound like the math. Let me explain it to you. When I bought this million dollar piece of real estate, I put 20% down, that's $200,000. I only have at risk $200,000 and own an asset that went up $200,000 in value. That's 100% return on the money I have invested. You can't touch that. Nothing out there touches that. There is nothing out there that touches that. And the beautiful thing is, while it was doing that, it was also paying in cash flow. It was also paying down my mortgage. The tenants were paying down my mortgage, right? It was also reducing my, my income taxes because this is a tax, um, it, it's tax preference. There we go. And um, it's doing all this stuff at the same time, right? While I make 100% return. Show me gold. Show me silver. Show me out their hedge. And they don't have any cash flow. And you pay taxes on their income. And they don't have mortgage reduction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go to the next reason. Let me go ahead and just mark that one off so I don't get confused on where I'm at. The next one is excess money supply. So let's talk about this. The, the Fed goes out there and waters down money. And I'm just going to give you, a, a, I'm going to put it in a small number example that maybe you can wrap your arms around while you're driving, right? Let's say there's only 10 houses in this city. And in this city, those 10 houses are worth a million dollars. That's what people have been willing to pay for it. But now let's pretend that the Fed gives everybody an extra million dollars, or the whole city an extra million dollars. Now, the city has $2 million worth of money available to buy housing with. All of a sudden, just because there's so much more money available, people will start bidding those houses up, conceivably to as high as $20,000 apiece. Now, this is a condensed form of what happens on a macro basis within a city, within a county, within a state, within a country. When you put more money out there, now, what did the Fed put out there? It put $5 trillion into our money supply because of COVID. $5 trillion was spent. Now, think about this for a second, guys. For years, my 65 years of age, we did until just a few years ago hit a trillion dollars worth of debt. But in one year, they pushed out $5 trillion worth of giveaways. And they're giveaways. There were money for people that didn't work. There was money for employers who had people that couldn't work. There was money for everything. What I don't think you understand, because not that you're ignorant, you just don't think about these things, is that you think a million sounds like a lot of money. A million is 1,000 thousands. So if you've got 200,000 in bank, oh, man, I worked my whole life to get 200,000, and I want a million, that's four times more. That's... That's $800,000 more, and I only have 200000 So, in your world, a million is a lot of money, because 100000 is a lot of money. I see people robbing banks for 30000 bucks. I go, I would never go to jail for 30000 bucks. Are you out of your mind? But wait, that's your first million. Now, you want to talk about having a billion. Well, a billion is a thousand million, and it took your whole life to make 200000 You would like to have a million. Some of you might have taken your whole life to make a million. And you only need 999,000 more, 999 million more to make a billion. You need 1,000 million to make a billion. All right, now you have a billion. Now you need 1,000 billion to make a trillion. You can't even conceive that. I wish I had one of those examples right now, like the Earth is only X trillion of seconds old. I mean, it's an unconceivable amount of money they put into our marketplace, and hence, Real estate in the last couple of years has doubled in value, doubled. 
I bought one piece of real estate uh, a couple of years ago, classy apartment complex, and I thought I was just dumb as a rock. I paid $120,000 a door for it. I go, man, you are insane, Dell. But I want it. My wife wants a Class A. Let's go ahead and buy it. I bought it. Tried to buy one a couple weeks ago. Block or two away. Same age property. They wanted $240,000 a door. It doubled in value in less than five years. And when I went after it, was willing to pay the 240 I got outbid. So you see, this leverage stuff, I, I bought a property that was worth $20 million, and it's now worth $40 million in five years. Five years. Think of that. And I bet some of you own gold and silver. And if that silver ever goes back up to what it had originally been, <laughs> then you make some money. But it's not. And it might not. Then again, it might. But I know my real estate's going up, and I know that my, that gain is leveraged. And that means massive wealth. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Everyone is asking, is it still a good time to invest in real estate? We see no indication that for the foreseeable future, and even the unforeseeable future, no indication whatsoever that real estate is suddenly not going to be the best vehicle for creating wealth and passive income for your family. And so that would say that now is the time to get in. And we very rarely talk about this because we talk about cash flow. But now we're talking a little bit about capital gains and what the future brings in that property. Because it's real, at the end of the day, you have all your cash flow, but you've got this nice capital gain when you sell. And the inflation that we see and the reasons for it are going to continue. And we're going to see great capital gains at the end of the line when we sell these properties. Get in on the next free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, we're discussing inflation and how real estate is the best inflation hedge that there is out there. Um, we are now on to the next subject, uh, which is supply and demand curve inflation and why real estate is such a strong hedge against inflation is because we are a benefit of the fact that the government and the banking system since 2008 and 9 have restricted construction. So, whether it be because there's restricted building permits or according to the research that uh, I've read before, of every house built, $87,000 of the cost of that house is due to governmental regulations. 87000 If the government would get out of the regulation business, you could buy a house for $87,000 less. But you can't because the government demands certain things because of regulations. So then you've got, um, in addition to that, the cost of housing is gone skyrocketed. And as you go to build these things and it becomes more and more and more expensive, you look at the... The problems the pandemic brought, which was now the availability of goods to build stuff. 
add all these together, compound all that, and then top it off with, after 2008 and nine, when the banks failed with all these bad mortgages out there, the bank became very squeamish, and the government made them more squeamish, changed the rules on lending, and banks stopped lending on construction. What is the end result of all this? According to the research that I read to you just a few days ago, we are currently 4 million homes short from where we need to be. In other words, if you could bring 4 million homes online today, they could sell those homes within a week. That's how much more demand there is than supply. Houses used to sit on the market eight, nine months before they'd sell. That was the average days on market was eight or nine months. Average days on market now are like nine days. I mean, a house hits the market, it sells instantly, sometimes with 10 or 20 offers on it. Sometimes houses are selling with offers that are 10, 20, 30,000 over asking price. That's how hot the market is because there are no homes. And the typical homes that you would build, the starter home that you would build, is the home that new kids would want. You know, the millennials are starting to buy right now. And to mess the supply curve up even more, there's not enough houses being built for the current demand. Now we have the millennials for the first time coming online wanting to buy homes. Up until just a year or two ago, millennials were not buying homes, and now they're buying them in droves. I have no idea what happened in the last couple of years, what they put in the water, but I'm going to tell you this. I have three kids. All three kids are in their early 30s. All three kids did not own a home one year ago. Today, all three kids own a home. Figure that one out. And it wasn't because I pushed them. It wasn't because I even, you know, did anything. Maybe my wife might have suggested it's a good idea, promoted it, but they did it on their own. They wanted to buy homes. So you think about that. You've got all that demand, massive demand out there, but no supply. So what does that do for our asset? It makes our asset very, very valuable. Remember this old saying. And to some degree, it is not true. And to some degree, it is true. The old saying is, buy land, they're not making any more of it. So, what does that mean? Well, if you live in like a, a little island like New York, there's no more land. They can't make any more. And so, it's true. If you live in a state like Texas, it's not really all that true. We can grow and grow and grow and grow. But what happens is, is you end up growing so far away from the center of the city that they create these little suburbias out there that are little cities in and of themselves that people just don't go outside of. So then that little suburbia becomes landlocked and you can't build any more inside of it because another little suburbia built right next door to it. So you have these little towns that really they call metropolitan Houston is really made up of about 10 or 20 cities that are all conglomerated together through highways to where when you go through one to the other, you can't even tell you're leaving one city for another city for another city, but you are. And people just throw the tag on it's Houston, but it's not all Houston. In fact, it's not even all the same same county. There's actually five counties associated with Houston. So my friends, it's landlocked. Houston is landlocked. Houston proper cannot grow anymore. You want to be in Houston? You're going to have to buy something that's already there or tear something down that's already there and build it. Right? So, between the regulation stopping construction, the availability for land, the availability for goods to build, the availability of labor, even. I mean, labor, who knows why they're letting all these people come in the border? I'll give you one reason why they might because they're looking for laborers. Yeah, that's been around for years. We used to let them come in on work visas. Now we just open the door and let them come in. 
I'm not getting into this political battle. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show you that labor is short. There are signs everywhere hiring, but there's no workers. Again, real estate is in high demand, low supply, high value. Again, an inflation hedge. Next one, expectations. High expectations. What happens in real estate is when there's low expectations, sellers offer a price and buyers lowball it and try to scare the seller into paying them what they want. When there's high expectations, what happens is a seller offers a price and the buyers, anticipating that they're going to get outbid, bid more than they would normally be comfortable in bidding. And I've done this myself. I've got in there and I researched the property and thought, man, I'm willing to pay $20 million for this property. And this, the broker comes back to me and says, yeah, but the guy's he's not even considering anything less than $22 million. And I'm saying, okay, let me redo my numbers. I redo my numbers and say, if I, you know, crunch this a little harder and I do that a little better, willing to take a little bit less return, I can live with the $22 million. So I go back, and when they ask for the offer, I offer $22 million. Then the next day, they come back and say, okay, we've got 10 offers. Yours is one of the good ones. Of the 10, we're going to have a best and final. And you go, what is a best and final? It means we want you to offer even more than what you've offered. And for years, I've never bid back into a best and final because I've always wondered, is there really somebody out there dumb enough to pay more than too much? Because I'm out there thinking this is too much. I'm already way above where I want to be, where I'm comfortable being. And now they're asking me to go further. I'm thinking, man, they've got to be calling my bluff. Lo and behold, every time it happens. They don't even bother to call me back to say you didn't win. (laughs) They just don't call you back. It's like, no, somebody else beat you. It's unbelievable what expectations can do. They can drive prices higher and higher and higher. For example, if you thought that there was going to be gas shortages tomorrow, and they said, but we've got some gas left and it's $10 a gallon, I'd be out there filling all my tanks. And so would most of you be out there filling your tanks because of the expectation of non-supply. And those expectations of low supply, those expectations of higher prices, will make people do things. And that's part of the way inflation gets out of control. It just happens. Moving on. Another reason that we have real estate down as an inflation hedge is because real estate has a pass-through effect. For example, if my costs go up, and in real estate costs do go up. You've got insurance costs might go up because of hurricanes. You've got uh, construction or you know remodeling costs goes up because of the, of the supply and demand blockage from COVID. You've got employment uh, expectations for higher pay, and so you start losing your employees unless you give them raises. There are things that go up in cost. In many businesses, you can't pass your costs through quickly enough to outrun the increase of cost. In real estate, we manage to do it in a couple of ways. First, we have something called ratio utility billing, or RUBS, residential utility billing. Um, basically, they're both the same thing, just the same, set of, same acronym, two different wordings. But what it basically says is we take a lot of expenses that are vulnerable, they're flexible, they go up and down and change around and whatever, like water, electric, gas, whatever, and we put all those into a charge that we charge back to our tenants. So if these things go up, if there's a seasonal change in usage and demand and whatever, that 
bill each month they get is their share of all of those costs. So we're able to pass those through to our tenants very quickly. The other thing we do, at least the ones that know what they're doing do, is that we don't set up all of our leases due at the same time. We'll stagger our leases. So typically, you know, there's a there's an influx during certain parts of the year where more people would come into one lease, new leases, and a slower part of the year where more people would not want to lease. What we do is we pick the times and we keep a calendar of how many units we have coming due. In other words, the lease will come due in January, February, March, April, May, June, or July. And let's say, just for ease, that we have um, 120 units, and there's 12 months. So we divide that by 12, and we would put 10 units due each month. Say, well, how do you do that? Well, when people come in, and let's say they're coming in during December, which is uh, typically tougher month to lease because you get people not wanting to move during Christmas, right? So we would not have we would not give them a twelve month lease. We would offer them an eight month lease or we'd offer them a fourteen month lease, pushing them out and around those bad months. Uh, same thing can be done the entire year by using a anywhere from an eight to a fourteen month lease, you can stagger your lease dates to where you pretty much have like one twelfth of your entire tenants each month. Meaning that you don't risk having everybody leave at the same time, but more so meaning, in the case of this inflationary discussion, is that you can grasp a change of cost by one-twelfth each month. So if things start to go bad, if the inflation starts to rise like it is right now, those new leases, I've heard, are 16% higher than the leases that they're replacing. Now, interestingly enough, you have to understand this, is that also, you might have a person, I'm going to give you an example, I'll make up some numbers, these are not relevant, but let's say you have somebody leasing for $800, and that unit now leases for $1,200. And you might only give them a 10% increase from $800 to $880, or you know, uh, $800 to $900, because you just don't want to blow them out. But if they move out, you're going to go all the way up to $1,200. You're not going to go $900, $1,000, whatever. You're going to go all the way up to $1,200. So it becomes increasingly difficult for tenants to move because if they go across the street, it's $1,200. You're offering them to go from $800 to $1,000. But if they get mad about that, they go across the street and check, it's $1,200, forcing them to take that 20% rent increase. Whereas they might normally say, I'm not going to pay a 20% rent increase. I think you're greedy. But they can't get around it because of the inflation is a hedged for the landlord by real estate. It's a beautiful thing. Last, one more point about the expenses. A very large percentage of the expenses on real estate is the interest. And in most cases, although now people are starting to sign adjustable rate mortgages again, and there was a time when people did that and they got whacked because of inflation. Guess what? It's inflation again. I've been telling people for two years now to watch out for adjustable rate mortgages so I've said my piece, but if you don't have an adjustable rate mortgage, a fixed rate mortgage means that your largest cost of doing real estate, your largest cost, which is the interest on your note, is fixed. Now, if all of your income goes up and all your expenses go up, you basically are a wash. But if 100% of your rental incomes go up and only 30% of your costs go up, you're actually better off. So, my friends, you see, real estate actually is the best inflation hedge there is. Silver and gold 
do not do any of these things I just talked about. They just sit there. And are they still affected by inflation and variability? Their very own ad admits it. If silver were to ever go back to where it was at its peak, you would have a 100% rate of return. Do the math when you get out of the car. The only way you could have a 100% rate of return is if silver had been at 1000 and went down to 500 And now they're saying at 500 it could go all the way back up to 1000 again. But that isn't even a gain. That's not the best it's ever been. It's not a hedge against inflation. Because when the economy gets fired up, they're going to need silver and gold. When the economy slows down, they don't need silver and gold as much of it because they're not making as much stuff out of it. Otherwise, as a monetary policy, we haven't used gold as a monetary marker since Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. So gold and silver don't even come close to real estate. I hope I've been able to explain this to you in a way that can benefit you so that you too can live through this massive spiraling inflation period and come out the other end with a big smile, knowing how important it is to believe. It's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.